I, I checked out that Goosebumps musical. Oh. We should listen to it and I guess review it because we'll never see it on the stage. It's weird that there's a Goosebumps musical. Yeah. Well, first off, uh, I didn't listen to it because I'm saving it for when we actually yeah. listen to it. Yeah. But where is it? Where are they performing said musical? I was confused because it, it, yeah, see, this is getting into covering it, but it, it seems like it was a local stage play. They just got the permission. What? <laughs> Which is, this is, this is what I wish happened. It might not be true. And we'll have to do the research for an episode that we'll totally do. Mm-hmm. What I hope is that a local, like, Ohio teacher was, I remember Goosebumps. I grew up reading those. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get the kids to read them. They don't care as much because they watch Euphoria and play Fortnite and <laughs> none of this is scary. Uh, but I'm going to write my own musical. And they wrote a Goosebumps musical. And uh-huh. then they wrote a letter to R.L. Stein, maybe with a little tape track of like one of the first songs. Mm-hmm. Goosebumps, going to get goosebumps. Do, 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 do. And R.L. Stein's like, I love it. This is great. You have all of my permission. Will this go on Broadway? And they're like, no, it's just going to play in Ohio. But at some point, like momentum built, and uh-huh. now there's a a stage play about the Phantom of the Auditorium. I know I don't want to cover too much of it right now. We got to save it for the actual episode. But it was premiered in Wisconsin in Milwaukee, wow. and uh, and then it Milwaukee, moved Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then it uh, moved. Apparently, oh no, I guess it simultaneously premiered. Uh, there and Portland, Oregon. Wow. It, it made it to the coast, baby. That's the cultural hubs. I, I feel like I will have many thoughts on it once I consume it because my old gig uh, in college every summer, I would uh, drive the van for a children's theater camp. That's sick. I'm I'm sorry. I am. I'm just now learning this information about pre pre Goosebuds Kevin. You drove yeah. the van yeah. for a musical camp. Kevin, please yeah. tell me you gave stoic advice to those children as you drove. Oh, my God. Well, not as I drove. I didn't have to move kids. Just like I had to go out and buy um, <laughs> oh. like, props and set. Oh, they didn't trust you with living souls. <laughs> well, I did run anime club there. So that was that was my time <laughs> with the kids. And that's when I gave most of my stoic advice. To gotcha. Just- <laughs> I found a way to have children's souls in my power. By the way, true like classical stoic advice is you can totally control how you feel. You're just being a baby about it. Right. And I feel like that is rarely true. <laughs> oh, I meant I guess I what I, I just meant like stoically gave advice. Like uh, you were Yes, as yes. I gave advice, yes. I was stoic about it. I, I'm picturing Kevin, you're wearing some sort of conductor cap for some reason, nope. and you are driving a, a full bus. <laughs> Filled with the hearts and minds of teenage uh, art enthusiasts. I mean, the biggest event for for my life, and and we'll get to more of this when we hit the actual musical in the actual episode. But the biggest advice I, or the biggest like moment for me was I had to explain why the kids were taking a bath with their dad in my neighbor Totoro. (laughs) (laughs) In anime club, they're like, we have questions. Why? Yeah, they're like, that seems very strange. And I'm like, yeah, it's just not like a weird thing there. Like, they, it's not weird. It's bathing culture, <laughs> they're like, baby. They're like, but it's were weird you, to us. And I'm like, this is okay. So, <laughs> there are different were you old? How, how much older were you? Were you like a mentor to the anime club? I was 23. These kids were in middle school. So, oh my god. No, I was like, well, I, at the end, I was 23. At the beginning, I was like, I think 20. Damn, you were in the you were in the hard years, the real hard years. But you're like introducing them to like they're probably like I like Naruto and you're like here is Evangelion. I actually got some good recommendations from uh, those those kids. A lot of them 
were like, can we watch this anime? And I'm like, I'll look it up because like I have a budget and I can just go to Best Buy and get any DVD I want. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'd be like, oh, absolutely not. This one is uh, this one is not cool for a uh, theater camp, but uh, you have fun taste. Can I can I tell you guys a super embarrassing story that I feel like is fine for me to just air it out on the podcast? Sure, why not? You just remind like a suppressed memory just unearthed by that, Kevin. Oh, fun. I'm sorry. At some point in elementary school, I think it was elementary school, we had a like free writing exercise where you could write any sort of play. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, no, no direction whatsoever. And I distinctly remember that I think just because I had love in my heart. And a crush on uh, this girl named Aaron mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, I was madly in love with. I wrote a whole, it's not really a monologue. It was really just a two-person play where I wrote out my fan fiction of me telling Aaron I liked her. And then her saying she liked me back. And then I was like, we should kiss. And she's like, that sounds like a great idea. It was pages and pages. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but very embarrassing. <laughs> I, I love that it was, uh, th- Chad, I know you've you've grown as a writer since then, but I love that it sounds devoid of any tension whatsoever. <laughs> no, it was like, there was no conflict. But the conflict was in my own heart. It was me being, I will never get to do this. Right. Okay. I will never say how I feel. So I'm going to write out this version. I think it's beautiful that you did that. I think it's good that you did that. Well, I, I remember... <laughs> I remember giving it to my teacher. Uh, we all turned them all in. It one, there was one day where I was. I suddenly thought we maybe were going to have to read them aloud. We did not, thank God, because Aaron Woo. was in the class. That would have been embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! And he like a week later, he handed all of the plays back out, graded to all the students, and I didn't get mine. And after class, I like asked him about it. I was like, "Yeah, did you get my plays?" Like, yeah. He's like. Do you have any thoughts or no? It's like, it was fine, Chad. It was fine. <laughs> and like, you can tell he clearly was like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, it was clear, like, he was embarrassed for me. What? And I still feel the shame. <laughs> Chad, you realize that's like, that's worse than you writing it, right? Like, your teacher's react, your teacher is an adult. You were a child. Like- <laughs> I know. I know. I, I don't think it would have been a lasting memory if, if not for my teacher's reaction. Of him going like, I don't even want to give it back to you. <laughs> it's really weird. I'm going to forget this for you, Chad. <laughs> I'm going to forget this for you so that you forget it until your friends on a podcast in 20 years bring it up. Uh, bring up a similar story that reminds you of it. But Chad, in a way, maybe, you know... Uh, maybe that was leading you to your current career and maybe, wow. you know, the next step for you is to do a remake. And there know? is the stoic <laughs> advice from Van Driver Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah! <laughs> Uncle Kevin, do you think I'm going to get the the lead role in the play? No. No, no. <laughs> it's fine, Chad. It's fine. Uh, and you don't want it, by the way. You don't want the lead role. This is camp. Like you want to make friends, like, and you you want to hang out, like, yeah. You don't want to get the uh, want them gunning for you. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to do the. I guess like even in Wet Hot American Summer, if, for the sake of the joke, like it sure feels like the four or five kids who are in that musical are only doing that at camp. Oh yeah, well Bradley Cooper and and uh, Amy Poehler are, are are holding it down there. Yeah. Really committed to it. The rumor mill at theater camp is it 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 uh, it, t- it takes people and churns out dust. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you were part of the rumor mill? 
Um, I definitely wasn't whispering rumors to children. Well, of course, <laughs> of course you weren't, but I'm sure there was some some Kevin rumors going on. Um, yeah, I mean, no one really gave a shit about me. Like, I had no power. I was just sort of sure. like, uh, some kids would come to me and confide in me and talk to me and stuff like that, and I'd be like, hey, you know, this isn't forever. But <laughs> that's mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> Appropriate. So nothing you just saying. Hey, this isn't forever. Would be good advice. <laughs> what if your What if the teacher said that to you, Chad, when you ha- when you asked him about your play? Hey, this isn't forever, kid. <laughs> hey, this, this is not forever. This is a moment in time. <laughs> this is a moment in time. You you did a thing. We're gonna move past it. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like you were invisible to the children. I was an alternative pick to mm-hmm. the kids to, as a mentor. Like there were there were some you know pop hits. There were some classics. And then, you know, there's, like, me off in my little, like, local indie section. Right, <laughs> like, right. I, I, I'm just going to guess, Kevin, that if I was young enough to be in that place with you as a as a camp leader, I would have been just drawn to, if like, male, uh, male role model that's acting kind of, like, unattached to the rest of it and has uh, still waters run deep sort of vibe and is it like gunning for approval is just a magnet for young chad man who somehow smokes while not smoking (laughs) (laughs) i actually am picturing kevin like i know you don't smoke but i'm picturing you like with a lord of the rings pipe just like sitting on a hillside yeah he just has the energy of a man who smokes but he doesn't act but he doesn't do any of the smoking you know yeah the devil may care attitude. Damn, Kevin, you're fucking cool. <laughs> you're cool as hell. Yeah, I want to meet this guy you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized what my teacher should have said to her to my play. He should have absolutely fucking burned me. Let's hear it. And he should have handed me back my play and been like, you know, what I requested was something that was nonfiction. Damn. Yeah. I feel like he should have tried to punch you up. He's like, let's get some gags in there, you know? Like, <laughs> let's get some jokes going. He should have handed you a copy of Waiting for Godot and been like, search for, search through this, find some stuff, and make that work with what you got. He should have been like, put some cars in it. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not here in rooms, I'm not into it. I'm not here in rooms. Oh, God. God. That's what will make me believe in the world. Slap four wheels on it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's almost like I worked on a project with a boss that approved things if there were cars in it. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That, that feels safe to say. Uh, welcome to Goosebuds. Hey. <laughs> I'm Chad. I'm Paul. I'm Kevin. Uh, and we uh, usually read R.L. Stein's Goosebump books. Other times we read uh, other YA novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we are covering a book that was voted on by our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash goosebuds. We love you all. Uh, they chose the Michigan Chillers series, the book uh, Dinosaurs Destroy Detroit. Do we have a large Michigan audience, Chad? Do we, do we think that was the reason this was picked? Or is it just funny that a, a series called Michigan Chillers exists? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it could have been that plus just like, I think all the, the young children and all of us are drawn to dinosaur stories. Oh, point. for sure. I want to know uh, who I contact because on the cover it says maximum chills guaranteed. And I was not chilled once during this. Not terribly chilling. Not. Per- I was pretty Luke, lu- pretty tepid. Pretty tepid. I mean, I'm not the, the, I'm not trying to besmirch the quality of this book right now. I'm just saying I was not chilled. Uh, there was a guarantee. 
Uh, you know, I do understand that the, I did uh, secondhand this book, so maybe the guarantee was d- was voided in the aftermarket. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I do I have questions about that guarantee. I d- I do feel like it did what it promised, though. Dinosaurs did destroy Detroit. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were surprisingly specific callouts of buildings that I don't know if they're real or not. Like, oh, the dinosaurs destroyed the Fisher Building. And I'm like, I guess if you're in Michigan, that means something. They have to. They were. He. You could tell because he he name dropped a couple suburbs too, and I was like, this guy did his Michigan research for sure. Uh, Jonathan Jonathan Rand mm-hmm. uh, feels like a pen name for it some reason. It is a pen name. Christopher Wright is the name of the actual uh, the, is the actual name of the writer. Oh, why did he? Why was he ashamed of this book? I was going to be he... like, Ayn Rand's son wrote off-brand <laughs> goosebooks. <laughs> Well, didn't you notice on how these kids just like pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and because they were objectively better, they succeeded? <laughs> that does seem to be the message of, of dinosaurs destroy Detroit. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Rand, I, I, yeah, I, I think you called on to it, Kevin, of there's something weird about it being Michigan. Mm. Even as uh, a kid growing up in Indiana uh, and thinking that the fa- it was so cool, there was a TV show called Erie, Indiana. I'm like, there's not really that many spooky things in the state it's not a spooky state right we got cornfield and uh like amish people that's about as scary as it gets there's amish people in in indiana oh yeah man yeah i used to go to a place called amish acres all the time it was like a tour the, a tourist trap the amish would set up and wow he's glass blown marbles made by an amish boy it was great i just thought that amish was pretty much located in pennsylvania i didn't know they made their way out there cool no not everything's in pennsylvania <laughs> he's right he's right i gotta get over that <laughs> But you have to admit, most things are in Pennsylvania. It's a big state. (laughs) I would be surprised if something wasn't in Pennsylvania. You know who's not in Pennsylvania? Dr. Oz's residence. That's right. Fucking got him. I think we're allowed to say that Goose Goose Buds officially endorses John Fetterman for Pennsylvania office. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, if we did, he would crush us in his giant arms. So we would. (laughs) We should have him on the show. would this is an open invitation if someone wants to send this to mr fetterman yeah. you're you're yeah. you are invited so jonathan rand yes what's his real name paul chris christopher wright that's like that's a fine author name too i don't know what okay we'll have to do more deep diving on this uh he not only wrote the michigan chillers series at some point he clearly was like michigan is too small for me right yeah and branched off to the american chillers franchise he made 20 michigan chillers though so he really wow. mined, he mined michigan for all it had much like the industries of the 1900s mined <laughs> michigan for all of its resources sad is that sad true? i mean yeah it's, a, it's 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 not a it's not a great state well how do you know so much about michigan chad did you read the wikipedia <laughs> I'm purely pulling this off of living next to Michigan. Uh, South Bend is um, uh, South Bend, Indiana. My grew up was is right on the borderline, so it's this very funny thing where oh. uh, Indiana is a, a dry state, i.e., we don't sell alcohol on Sundays, but Michigan does. So within a mile, you can see your state line, and then on the other side of it, ten liquor stores on every road. Mm, Fucking blue mm-hmm, laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very silly. So I, I'm only more familiar with the southern parts of Michigan. I actually do not know Detroit very well. I wanted yeah. to ask you which you felt more because we're dealing with Midwest here, and you're a Midwest boy. Uh, what yeah. did you feel more attuned to, Michigan or Illinois? Uh, I feel the most attachment to Illinois. Okay, uh, mm. especially because okay. South Bend was so close to Chicago, and 
I, yeah, I, 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 I latched on by proximity to to Chicago, Illinois. Did a Michigan chiller ever chill its way onto your bookshelf as a, as a lad? Or no, I had never heard of these, and some of these are very like. I'm looking at this list. Creepy clowns of Kalamazoo. I know Kalamazoo. I know That's that not a big one. area at all. Uh, there's one from from Indiana called Iron Insects Invade Indiana, which seems perfect for you. Well, we maybe let's see if we ever decide we want to do another one of those. I might need to check that out. Iron Insects. Iron Insects. There's still these books are still rocking, dude. He released one in 2020, December 15th, right Whoa. before right before the big old shuddy. Jesus, yeah, uh, <laughs> Arkansas algae monsters. Oh man, I'm I really want to start calling the the lockdown the shuddy, the big old shuddy, <laughs> big old shuddy, pre and post shuddy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is interesting. He he moved on to these other ones. Uh, if it's not clear yet, also, uh, Mr. Rand uh, has a habit of his titles being alliteration. Mm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. so, something I I can appreciate. It's fun to do. Yep. Uh, so dinosaurs destroy Detroit. The Triple D is a book about yeah that that's yeah. what happens. That's the whole synopsis right there. Yeah, it delivers on all three Ds that it, that it yep. prompts. I I found uh, the author's writing style to be very cinematic. Like yeah, the chapter breaks almost feel like TV breaks almost. Yeah, like. There's a lot of, he loves doing the, but what I would find out is there are actually three dinosaurs, but I wouldn't be so mad if I knew that in the future I would be abducted by dinosaurs. Like <laughs> He does the exact opposite of what R.L. Stein does, which is he tells you exa- precisely what's going to happen and does not try to trick you in any way. There is at least one dream fake out. Oh, that's true. There's one dream fake that's out true. that was I almost, it was so late in the book that I was like, oh, come on, man. You didn't need to do this. We're good. Yeah. But you know what? You know what? I will give that. I will give him for that. Uh, and maybe there's more scary imagery in the other books. I didn't find there to be much scary imagery in this book. Uh, no. This book felt like a video game to me, and I will unpack that later. <laughs> About the only imagery in this book is throwing cheeseburgers to a baby Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like I, I, unpa- I will now unpack my statement. I believe <laughs> I believe they only wrote two game mechanics for this book, and they used them throughout the entire thing. Yep. Yeah. Also, a, a very probably frustrating game mechanic uh, <laughs> in the N64 version of this game where the dinosaur AI is not like perfectly latched to the cheeseburgers. The pathfinding for the dinosaur would be yeah, terrible. Yeah, you're throwing the cheeseburger, but the dinosaur is like not. Uh, it's just like, it's right there. Fucking go to It's like any bad old fishing game where yeah. the fish just ignores the lure. Ugh. The Ugh. dinosaur is just rotating on its axis, just like spinning. <laughs> Can't find the path. Freaking T posing on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's interesting, like, to compare this to RL's work because it also definitely ha- – it's self-aware of Goosebumps at this point, right? The first yeah. book yeah. Uh, of Michigan Chiller's Mayhem on Mackinac Island. <laughs> it's so funny. These are Michigan locations. How long did it get to, get to Detroit? Uh, number eight, Detroit. Wow. Uh, before that, uh, Terror Stalks Traverse City, Poltergeist of Petoskey, wow. Aliens Attack Alpina, Gargoyles of Gaylord, Strange Spirits of St. Ignace. Creepy clowns of Kalamazoo. They do Kalamazoo before, before and then finally dinosaurs. Oh, he couldn't just—he couldn't just spend all his Detroit money in one in the beginning. You know, you got to build up. You got to build up to Detroit. Um, I aspire to be this local. I mean, he picked Mackinac <laughs> Island, which is that's that looks like it's a UP location, which is probably beautiful. Yeah, I've never been to. It. I had friends who travel to it. You know, it's probably a fantastic place to summer. <laughs> There's something about it, though, like being aware of what goosebumps are and. 
it does feel like it's writing for the genre, right? The entire mm. book feels like a knockoff in a way of, well, we know that Goosebumps are fucking selling. So yeah. this is going to go right on the shelf next to it. I'm going to say this. I think his prose is better. I think he's got a bad, I think he's a better prose writer. I think he's a little more Spielbergy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought Amblin during this too. A lot a lot of this book is a boy and his pet dinosaur and more of the fun of having a pet dinosaur. Like it's not even scary for half of this yes. book. Yeah, like he, he has to like stop and tell us how not fun it is on several occasions. But I'm like, <laughs> this seems pretty fun. You're trapping a dinosaur with like Looney Tunes technology. Like this is Kevin, fun. that was my note, my precise note with that. I was like, oh, we're going Looney Tunes on this on this guy. <laughs> I definitely, you said Spielberg, I definitely felt like this is an Amblin movie. Yes. This is a, in the era of like 80s, 90s Spielberg, it just replaced the dinosaur with E.T. And it's yep. kind of similar beats. It, of just like luring him out with Reese's Pieces. Uh-huh. Now it's a Burger World Burger. It even has the classic like Amblin villain human, you know? Yeah. With the dog catcher. Like there's like a it's like the perfect like you have the the mini the mini boss right before Mr. Mulrooney Mr. Mulrooney you have like this like little mini uh, antagonist to start the show yeah oh Mr. Mulrooney who he felt so cartoony he almost took me out of it I guess in those movies you would this that's the made for TV villain he he took me out of it at the end when he has his come up it's at the end which we will get we should probably go through this in order at some yeah yeah well the first part of this book is the most interesting I think yeah it's this this starts like insanely magical uh, before I forget this is magical, the first page of this, I wanted to give a shout out. Maybe it's just the copy that we were reading from. Mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that the, the precursor on where it says the ISBN and the copyright and printed in, you know, 2004, there is a shout out in the credits, warehouse security provided by Abby, Salty, and Lily Munster. Ah, oh, sick. What? Like, cool for the warehouse security guards and probably one or two of them are being dogs. To get credit in the book. I think that's very cute. I like to imagine that Christopher Wright, after he wrote his books, showed up and like was like, I must sleep with the books at the warehouse for one night before they are <laughs> shipped out. And then he, that's how he always became best friends with the with the guards. Well, isn't there isn't there a rumor that uh, Mario was named after the Nintendo warehouse manager or something like that? Oh, I didn't know that. I, I believe that. I know Kirby's named after uh, an American lawyer, so yeah. that makes sense. But also the fact that one of those names Lily Munster, I'm assuming that's a pet. That's some sort of dog of some sort. Oh, I see. I see. You're right. Salty, if you're listening, uh, set us straight on this. Let us know if you're a dog or a human. <laughs> Mark twice if you're a human. <laughs> um... Just thought that was a cute call out. So yeah, this this book starts off absolutely nanners, like you said, Kevin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with just uh, our main character, uh, Nick. Yes. Nick. Nicky. Right. Nicky. Nick. Nick. Sorry, yeah, Nick. He wants to be called Nick. He's called Nicky by his mom, and it's a running beat that doesn't do anything. It's like a two. It's like two running. Like they just do it twice. Like it's not even a rule of threes kind of thing. It's just cute character stuff they're doing, guys. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's a little it's a little thing. He um, Nick just starts telling us the reader about how his his grandfather told him the legend of a time window. It's that- cool. <laughs> like, great. Like, get us to dinosaurs as fast as possible. But there 
later on there will be a sag in the book and i think if we had sort of like built up to there's a time window mm-hmm. like maybe mm-hmm. may, maybe if we made grandpa an actual character like i don't know but there is a time window it opens every 50 years i don't know how we know it opens every 50 years unless grandpa's 100 or like this is <laughs> information passed down through the generations or whatever but it opens every 50 years on June 28th at 3.05 p.m. And I guess it's open for a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's so spe- it's so specific. It is. Yeah. I had to write down that there were like many rules because you're like you're just slapped with some rules right off the off the top of this one. It, it's so many questions. You immediately go like, how do yeah, how does the grandfather know this? Did he go through the time window? Well, he calls yeah. it a window, not a door. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, he just peered through it. My question is, where does it take you where you want to go or just a random point in time every 50 years? Maybe they don't know like how to control it. Like maybe there's like a dial somewhere where they can change what time it goes to and just grandpa neglected to do that part. I would think that instead of calling it a time window, it would be called a dinosaur window if uh, that's true. Yeah. If it went to other times, but yeah, it's, it's, it seems like it's so unclear in just this quick little, even though it's so specific, of like how the grandfather knows this and if he ever went through, um, I honestly kept expecting there to be a thing where like somehow like out of contact in the third act, they were going to go through the time window and grandpa was there. He's like, I chose to live among the dinosaurs. That would have been sick. I, I abandoned oh your family. Oh my God, the, the grandfather should have disappeared and then he went, oh man, that was a total missed opportunity. So Nick is like, tells his friend Summer, uh, his best friend, uh, best friend, uh, platonic girl, cool, cool kid summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, we should totally go check it out. Cause that's like tomorrow. I like summer a lot. I wish she yeah. was written a little better. Cause like she's written a little too, like, like Nick's like, I must protect. And like, she has beautiful hair and like, uh-huh. like, okay, dude, I get it. You got a crush on summer. Can like, she do some cool stuff or is she just going to kind of be cheerleader best friend this whole time? Yeah. She kind of cheerleader best friends. Cause she shows up a couple times and has things occur by accident because of what she's doing. She does get the transform from a dinosaur into a girl in his dreams though. Cool little moment. Oh yeah. man, that, yeah, that, that aforementioned dream fake out for a second. I was like, I am on board. This is Animorphs. Let's fucking go. Like, mm-hmm. out, of, out of nowhere, for whatever reason, she can turn into dinosaurs. Let's rock. Right. That would be sick. If she were a dino girl, that would have been even cooler. They decide to go to this uh, random park. Uh, yep. There's a as there's a hill. And uh, as Grandpa described, uh, a group of trees that are bigger than Grandpa said, but Grandpa saw them 50 years ago. So, of course, trees have gotten bigger. No, oh, that's a good point. I didn't even realize that. That's a good note. I like that. Oh yeah, I think Nick. I think Nick even calls it out. I'm like, I mean, hey, how much did the grandpa like? Did he tell you the diameter of the trees? Um, <laughs> but wouldn't you know it? On the on the dot, a shimmering, like transparent portal appears that you cannot see through unless you stick your head in. Mm-hmm. It's tall and it's taller than a house. They also, in, in my favorite thing that these books do is uh, they they buy snacks uh, first. The- <laughs> oh, yeah. They buy they buy cokes and uh, slim jims, uh, slim jims, and eat them on the way. And they also get a camera. Oh yeah, the camera doesn't really pay off anywhere, does it? Nope. Yeah, no, he-, uh, he try he tries to make a payoff, but and it's cool because he does the disposable one too, so it's all tra- it's all in there. You don't have to worry about changing out film or anything like that. It's very it's a good yeah. move on Nick's part. Yeah, that's technology right there. They're never gonna make something better than a disposable mm-mm, camera. Mm-mm. <laughs> Nothing will ever get more convenient. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, that's actually incredibly smart. Uh, 
I like the setting of what this is. It it kept implying more of a deeper world than there probably is, but just like it's in this junkyard with like broken down cars and rocks. And I'm like, you're going to tell me that ancient elves or druids built this or something. Like I was just kind of waiting for a, a little bit more world building, just the way he was describing the scene. But uh, it never comes. Never comes. It's just there's a magic time portal. Grandpa knew about it. Dinosaurs, y'all. Let's get to it. <laughs> and like dinosaurs could have happened. Like there could have been like, you know, like an iceberg or something or a, or like, I don't know, like we could have got or a weird scientist guy making clones or something. Mm-hmm. But like time portal is the most fun and the most direct. It gets us there yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally the most direct way to get dinosaurs into Detroit. I agree that I think he does front load this book too much because they walk through, right? And they do yeah. this thing where uh, they have a great idea. It's actually very smart on the kid's part. Uh, Nick says, I'm going to walk through and hold your hand, Summer. Uh, and yeah. if I squeeze your hand, pull me back out. Uh, yeah. Smart. Really smart. Yeah. Real smart move. I, th- I love the kids acting smart up front. Uh, they go through. He pulls her after he sees the dinos, the dinos and gets kind of blown away. He pulls her through, uh, and they have a little uh, Jurassic Park moment. She Laura Derns, uh, yep. and then <laughs> and then they see they see every cool dinosaur within five minutes, which I thought was pretty incredible. Like within the first fifteen pages, he has seen every fucking cool dinosaur that exists, and also provided sick dino facts for all of them there are good dino facts here yeah i thought it was interesting that uh, i mean I appreciate that the book acknowledges that any kid that age by that point had seen jurassic park oh yes um because at first he's like he's almost overly describing what a triceratops is maybe he maybe the author wanted this to be educational uh and i'm like i i, I know what it is i've seen jurassic park i saw uh, Doctor Grant put his you know head up against the big six triceratops, mm-hmm. but then like another beat or two later when he describes the T Rex, like it looked exactly like Jurassic Park. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Kids are gonna love this. Thank you for using uh, the, sh- the shorthand we that our culture has provided you. The the shorthand that Ernest Klein would use for much success in Ready Player oh, One. Oh boy, just describe the thing oh, is like that other Booker movie. <laughs> oh, um, oh, wow, Quetzalcoatlus, you're a flying dinosaur. <laughs> I'm like, cool. I'm not going to look it up, but I trust you. <laughs> I trust, I trust you. Uh, but by the way, the as smart as they are, I did find it a little shitty of Nick to assume that Summer needs to come through. Right? Mm. He's like, mm. he he is the Summer is the safe line back on in in their timeline. Yeah. And he goes, y'all, this is pretty crazy, and he chooses to pull Summer through. What they needed to do was one big squeeze, take me out. Two big squeeze. Do you want to come in? Three big squeeze. Yes, I do want to come in. Four big squeeze. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. I think I'm all right. I'll stay out here. You know, like F- just five squeeze. I'm kind of hungry. Should we get burgers after this? The Slim Jims weren't enough. Also, do you want your pop? <laughs> I can hand it through. For the record, you both have my consent to pull me into a time portal. Thank I think you. I will wow, regardless of time era? Yeah, I think in general, you can just assume that I'll go through a time portal. I don't want y'all pulling me through anything like pre-1970s without my consent. Wow, why? That's a small window. You're just not going to go through time, even if like the opportunity exists. You're just gonna, not going to do it? If you're tugging me, Kevin, <laughs> if you're tugging me and I don't know what that time period is, I just want you to pop back and go like, it's the 1900s, it's okay, but like, we should bring a knife or whatever. Like, or... 
I, I want to think about like what almanacs I need to use, what money currency we need to have with us. Chad, if I'm tugging you, I want you to know that you can trust the tug. It's a bro's tug. If you can't okay, trust a Kevin. bro's tug, then I'll follow you into the dark. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cross the portal with him, man. It's a good tug. <laughs> it's okay. Tug, tug us through. Uh, they do see uh, T Rexes. Mm-hmm. Um, wow! Wow! <laughs> Tyrannosaurus. No concern over like stepping on a butterfly and destroying the timeline. No, they're not thinking about. No, they're not thinking about any of that stuff. You know, what, guys, fuck the timeline. Wow! Things haven't turned out great. We can mess some shit up and see if it's better. Yeah, what are we? What are we afraid to screw up? You know, like the world's pretty fucked up. Just let it, let it ride, baby. Oh it my could, it god! It could use maybe a little bit of a remix, like maybe like you crush a, you know, crush a butterfly or whatever, and then stick your head back out of the time portal and be like, "Is everything fine? Is uh, is global warming still a thing? Food yes. and water is free for everyone. Keep stepping on stuff." <laughs> It was all because of one dickhead butterfly millions of years ago. <laughs> the, the butterfly that came up with capitalism ruined everything. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck you, Harold. So, <laughs> uh, I think that's kind of the rest of they do. And then they are like, oh, we should get out of here soon. Because yeah. who knows how long this time went. I, I don't know if Grandpa, I guess Grandpa had said it's open for a week. So there wasn't a ticking clock. I, I was concerned. No, they take some pic- They take some pictures. And while taking pictures, they accidentally stumble into a T-Rex who notices yeah. them. Uh, and Summer just books it. And Nick <laughs> is like, oh, shit, I guess we're running. And so they run. Nick's like, that's the worst thing you can do. Like, he's some sort of, like, T-Rex expert. Right? Oh, that's right. This is where they reference that, oh, the T-Rex can't see you if you're moving, which... Do we know if that's actually true? There are a lot of T-Rex facts in this that I don't know if they're true. How would we know? We're looking at fucking rocks. We don't know. <laughs> We're looking at rocks and bones here, guys, that we can only infer, infer so much information from this stuff. Yeah, I don't know how you could read that from bones, that their brains didn't detect movement. I don't know. I'm no paleontologist. No, no, we don't. I th- th- This kid's flying by the seat of his pants don't listen to him. i am a paleontologist and i'm gonna tell you guys right now we don't know shit <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you for finally clearing that up yeah I've, I've waited a while to reveal the fact that i am in fact a paleontologist and if you have any further questions please uh, I, I can weigh in what's your favorite type of bone um probably the funny bone because you know i got a sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> I don't take myself too seriously. God, Kevin, I want I want you to be my camp counselor so bad. <laughs> uh, so Nick is just like, hey, what's this, an egg? I'm taking it. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. messed up. Again, he sees every cool dinosaur and discovers a dinosaur egg within the first five minutes of being traveled through time. He goes into a Nick cave in the bad seeds, and then he nice. finds a dinosaur. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Freaking nice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> right, guys? Uh, <laughs> alternative music <laughs> uh, Nick does not question what the egg is I know several times afterwards he's very much like I, I didn't know it was a T-Rex egg uh, I, I had no idea I'm like well you did see one you knew there was in proximity there was a there was a chance there was like a one in five chance it's a T-Rex egg I felt like this moment could have been maybe like changed a bit like if we had a little bit more lead up like maybe like we do have like that brief mention of kids are making fun of him because 
he is talking about his grandpa's time portal. Uh-huh. He wants to prove that his grandpa's not a liar. I think we could have motivated the egg stealing a little bit better just because it just kind of feels like he takes the egg because he's a thieving piece yeah, of shit. Yeah, there's, no there's no good moral reason for him to take it. They could have spent a little more time in dino times, you know? Like, yeah. they could have hung out. I, I was happy when they left it quickly. I was like, oh, this book's moving along quickly. But then, I, then they spend a far disproportionate amount of time in uh, Amblin Entertainment area. Era, you my know? pet dinosaur. Yeah, my, ba- my yeah. pet dinosaur, and th- that's that's the problem. They, sh- they could have spent like at least two or three more chapters dino hunting. Maybe, uh, maybe they pick up the egg, the dino, at, like the last second, and it's like right by the door, and they get scared and fall through with it. You know, accidentally bringing. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe they run into like uh, a pre-humanoid monkey man and. <laughs> I don't know. He teaches him how to a wheel works. I don't know. Yeah, he does fuck up the timeline. I don't know. Have fun with it. You could do uh you could also do a fake out where like he doesn't see a T-Rex and he really wants to and he's like yeah. and and then he like takes the ape back and he's like, "Oh, wait. If I saw Quetzalcoatlus and Triceratops, that means T-Rex could have also been around." Uh-oh. Kevin, I like your version way better. Like it could have been a little a little build to it, but he's like, "Nope, T-Rex eats a shoe." <laughs> That's right. His shoe does get eaten. That was a funny little moment where it had him by the shoe. And and Summer, who apparently has uh, Hulk strength, is pulling against it and uh, defeats it. It pulls the, the shoe just gets pulled right off the off his well, foot. Well, in my mind, this was that era where everyone had Velcro shoes. Oh yes, no. or Ratch Tech. Yeah, so it was just an easy. It was easy to slip off. Yeah, he he uncl- he unclasped his BK Ratch Tech. Oh the my god, wow. ratchets were so cool. I wow, always wanted what those. What a pull. Yeah. Um, what a ratch. <laughs> <laughs> when your feet need to be absolutely secure. Crank me in, that. coach. <laughs> <laughs> Let me in, coach. I'm doing four clicks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we were really into your shoes need to be activated. That and the like the pump up air things that were just lies. I think I'm about seven pumps today. Dude, the pumps. The fucking pumps never worked. I still did it. I want to see if I can get ratchet shoes for just my day to day because I think that would probably improve my mood quite Your daily walkers. So next he goes home pretty uneventfully and he gets home invaded. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He does. <laughs> well, he he leaves the egg unattended for a while, which is like, yeah. how is that not all you do with your day? Yeah. Is just stare at dinosaurs. Yeah. Egg. Keep an eye on the egg, kid. And he tries to get like folks to listen to him about dinosaurs but they're all like fudge off you fuck we hate you stop talking about dinosaurs kid stop the lies i kind of liked this part in terms of you know having to have the parents not trust a kid mm-hmm. you you know the goosebumps cliches of the guy the dad's reading the newspaper won't look up from it or the right. little sister is too annoying i think having the photos developed at a local at a local like one hour photo and then mm-hmm. taking it to a journalist and the journalist is going like I don't know you kids with computers could do anything I don't believe it I was like yeah that yeah. seems reasonable that's pretty that real. seems like actually a, I completely believe why no one yeah what would you even do you go to a paleontologist I, I don't know what you would do with this evidence it's rude to wake a sleepwalker is what this book is saying <laughs> please wait please elaborate on that phrase <laughs> people don't want to hear the truth ah that's oh, damn. Kevin's just fucking killing it with the counselor <laughs> today. All your counselor wisdom, damn. So he comes back because uh, he's going to get the egg to show it to the newspaper people. And that'll th- then they'll see that'll prove everything. 
But um, yeah, uh, the his whole room is trashed, and he's like, "Did a burglar come in and burglarize it? Is the burglar here right now with a crowbar waiting to kill me?" <laughs> but no, it was a a dinosaur. A dinosaur uh, did a little uh, gremlin gremlining through his house. Yep. Destroyed yep. his whole house and then literally ate a hole through the wall, which he covers up with a checkers board, I believe. Checkerboard somehow. Was... He like leans it, I guess, against it and just goes, My dad won't notice that there's no heating working in the house. Um Was there a problem with kids having exotic pets in the eighties and nineties? Like, is that why we have all these fucking cautionary tales about gremlins and dinosaurs and ETs and shit? Th- there's definitely a trope of some sort. Uh, to the point where even in this one, I think the reason why the middle part of it dragged so much was it's like, I got to keep the secret. I'm like, I don't know why. Like, tell tell people. Once the dinosaurs attacked, I was like, all right, kid, now you've got free reign to just go mm-hmm. to everybody and ask for help because yeah, but- the, di- the dinosaurs are literally on TV right now. There are dinosaurs on TV and somehow like he's like, I can't tell people there's a baby dinosaur here because that might be tied back to me and I'll go to jail. Well, that's like, the thing. His guilt, I think, is what this is the telltale dinosaur <laughs> egg here, right? And I'm like, I'm like, kid, in 10 years, you're going to find out you have something called generalized anxiety disorder and it's <laughs> <laughs> everything in the hindsight is going to make a lot of sense to you. The T-Rexes are temporary, kid. Yeah. If there was a character in the town, I know there's the dog hunter who's like, <laughs> oh my god, hunter. if the dog hunter gets a hold of this T-Rex, he's gonna he's gonna take him as like, no, he's not. That guy's going to die. <laughs> it's, the do- it's the dog catcher. <laughs> I think dog hunter implies that Mr. Mulrooney is like killing and skinning. I mean, they they <laughs> painted him in a dark like like he took someone's dog from their front yard because dogs need to be on a leash. I see that as a more vengeful, like, I just like dogs getting put down. I agree with Chad. He was a dog hunter, for sure. Listen, we need jobs for sociopaths, all right? <laughs> we, need to, we need to give them, keep them busy. Come on. They used to have all kinds of jobs. Now it's like Wall Street or um, uh, serial killer. That's all you get. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to make a callback to something I said. We got rid of executioners, and then we just, yep. all of a sudden, now all we, all we got is a bunch of, of serial killers. Torturers and executioners. We made their jobs too easy. They're too, they don't want to work anymore. That's the problem. I, yeah, nobody wants to work. They're all quiet quitting. <laughs> don't, don't, I don't know if I want to double down on there should be more like beheadings, but I don't know. Maybe. I could maybe. think of a few in Washington. That was political. John Fetterman, please. <laughs> Please still come on our show, John Fetterman. You're not one of them. You're not one of them. We would put Dr. Oz in an Iron Maiden for sure. <laughs> Excellent. It's filled with the Cyberries. Dr. Oz will be good for you. Got him. Um, the part where it's my pet dinosaur and it is like he likes hamburgers. And it yep. is, like you said, Paul, a major part of this book is just kind of resource management of how many burgers you got. Can we can we lure the dinosaur over? Oops, out of burgers. We'll try again. And this kind of repeats two or three times. Yeah, he starts it by like feeding it every piece of meat in his parents' house. And his parents are working hard. His dad works yeah. night shift. Like he's throwing them steaks. And I'm like, kid, they, like as an, I, I realize this is an adult thought that no child would ever have. But I was like, that shit's expensive. All the meat you're throwing out right now. Dude, right? I like how there's maybe a little bit of a class difference between uh, Nick and Summer. She has a fridge in the in the garage full of steaks. She's definitely upper class. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed the next day, like, I don't know if we'd had a Goosebumps protagonist that had a particularly, like, blue-collar family in a while. Mm-hmm. And saying that, like, dad's working at the mill or whatever right. was yeah. 
noticeable. Yeah. I like I liked it. it. Yeah. Uh, late at night, Nick hears some sort of horrible screech and he goes out and he finds the dinosaur and there's a big fucking reveal where he tempts it out with meat and then he feeds it frozen hamburger meat, which will matter later. And uh, mm-hmm. he covers it with a burlap sack when Mr. Mulrooney, Dog the Bounty Hunter, shows up. There's a very tense scene where the, or the, where Dog the Bounty Hunter tries to yep. uh, <laughs> tries to get close to the burlap sack and, and investigate it. And then he is uh, quickly distracted by a look over there, a dog. And then is saved by a lucky bark, a lucky the bark. most fucking, uh, so stupid. I, I felt bad, and then I was like, somewhere a dog has just been framed by Nick. He will find this dog now. This dog will be punished tonight. Punished for it. I, but also, guys, how cute in your mind was little sleeping T-Rex curled up like a cat, covered with a burlap sack like a little blanket? How cute was I that? was into it. They did compare the T-Rex to a cat a lot. And I'm like, all right, you get it. You get, you get, you get my admiration. You're working on, <laughs> you're working on me here. I mean, my fa- my favorite one was I think attempt number two to wrangle. Uh, to- he never names it. It's weird he doesn't give it a name. Um, I think he fears it too much to name it. But I agree, he should have <laughs> named it at some point. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Again, if he when when he figures out he has generalized anxiety disorder, he'll find a name for his fears, and then he'll nice. Be there's that fucking wisdom again, Kevin. Damn it. <laughs> Here's that wisdom. Uh, That's the best thing when... you can do for your fears is give them a name. That, that'll help you control them. <laughs> uh, I think attempt number two or three where Summer and Nick realize that the T-Rex is hunting them mm-hmm. is like the closest to maybe something scary. Mm-hmm. And even though, even though I was kind of like, oh, it's like when my cat stalks me at night and runs out at me suddenly <laughs> it makes me scream. Yeah, it's, it's cute. <laughs> I, I like how life goes on in between these T-Rex encounters, because, oh like, God. <laughs> he'll, he'll be like, yep, the T-Rex is out there probably eating dogs by the dozen, and uh, I had to take a shower and, you know, have dinner and, you know, maybe watch some TV and shit. I'm like, how do you, all right, maybe you don't have anxiety, because, like. No, he's pretty chill when he's not, he's just like, he, he, know, he has a good work-life balance. Honestly, yeah. Nikki does. Uh, what, yeah. what a not just him. All of Detroit, I think, was kind of wildly still going. All of America, because where's the National Guard, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this would be what uh, Bush Senior. Uh, mm-hmm. No, this would be this Bush is Jude. Jr. This yeah, is B Dub. B Dubs. You tell me he's not like sending in a bunch of Texas Rangers to to capture the dinosaur. I just called him. Um, I just called him B Dubs. Like his last name was his first name. <laughs> <laughs> B-dubs um, w, w, w as we call them Yeah yeah no comparative to like BW3's Buffalo Wild Wings I think it also kind of works for that president um, the, the part of the story Where I think if we're allowed to jump to uh, now other dinosaurs are a monk. Yeah, yes. I mean, the only thing that happens is that Summer does have the great idea to create a Looney Tunes style trap to catch the T-Rex. Yes. Well, we we have an almost horse murder, and that's when we learn that the dinosaur oh. only likes cheeseburgers. Yes, the almost... A hilarious scene. Please describe it. Not right, hilarious. So, terrifying. Go ahead. Please describe it. So they're, at, so they're following the dinosaur's tracks, uh, and they have a bunch of, like pilfered steak that they're trying to wave around to, to like tempt out the dinosaur and uh they follow the tracks toward a like horse farm mm-hmm. and they see all the beautiful horses prancing around in their enclosures and they see a wee baby foal still still oh. like getting used to having legs 
And then they're like, oh shit, it's that dinosaur we're looking for. And he's going for the baby horse. And the baby horse is like, I love life. I love to live. <laughs> Living is cool. I am God's perfect animal. Yep. And uh, the dinosaur takes a run at the baby horse. And uh, we're, we're led to believe that it's over for the horse. But the, <laughs> the dinosaur is actually going for an adjacent billboard for uh, Burger Jesus World. Jesus Christ. And there's a giant wooden burger on it, which it just tears into it. And it's a hilarious scene, Chad. Well, I guess the part of, yeah, once you know the horse is safe, it's hilarious. Right. I was genuinely terrified. Oh, I thought that horse we was going We were yeah. going to read about a, a, a sweet baby horse being mauled. I was waiting for the first gross out kill for this T-Rex, for sure. And then when the foal's like, no, I'm too fast. I have I have alert <laughs> senses. I'm like, yes, you guys, horses fucking rock. <laughs> Of course, Chad. Of course, Chad's taking the horse's side on this one. Horses have done nothing wrong. Chad screamed out, "Show us the meaning of haste!" When he was reading this, <laughs> this, this moment. <laughs> yes, run, run fast, Shadow Facts. Go quickly. Show us the meaning of horse. <laughs> <laughs> when this fucking dinosaur gets back to dinosaur times, and there are no cheeseburgers to eat, it's gonna fucking oh, die. It grew up on these. It's been spoiled. It's like a little baby bird that you touched, and now it's been imprinted, and you're, you're screwed it up. I'd be kind. Kind of curious if eating processed, I mean, 2000s McDonald's meat isn't going to fuck that dinosaur up something bad. Mm, yeah. Even mm -hmm. it's like fecal remains in prehistoric <laughs> times could have a lasting impact on the timeline. <laughs> nope. Dinosaur poop jokes either, which is kind of a missed opportunity, I feel. Yeah. They couldn't even say butt or hiney later. So that's, No, no, they did yeah, not. Yeah. Interesting that it censored itself. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe that's just Michigan Values, baby. <laughs> Don't do a cuss. <laughs> he eats a billboard because he thinks it's a, I guess it does have enough space, like eye skills. That's the term for it to identify yep. a cheeseburger on a billboard and think <laughs> Which of food. They describe how this thing has like amazing senses of smell and all that. But I think they have pretty bad senses of smell if he's eating a fucking billboard. Right, right. It never, the fact that it never really goes for Nick or Summer. I know there's the quick fake out like, oh, it's bit onto my leg, but. There are multiple times where both the adults and the baby T-Rex are just like, I only care about the cooked meat. It got a taste for it. It got a taste for the burg. And on attempt three, they buy 12 cheeseburgers. And they, they try to Looney Tunes catch it. It doesn't work. They catch a dog and accidentally torture a dog for a <laughs> night. Yep. They, they, don't try, they don't torture a dog. They just keep it locked up all night. I just want to make sure people don't think they're like poking a dog with a stick. There's a weird throwaway scene I where love scene. Uh, I love Nick scene is so tackled by an 18-year-old. What the fuck was that about? There's a man out at night tackling children and, and saying that they're letting the air out of his tires. He must go around tackling every child he sees out at night. I feel like that had to be based on a real situation. Uh, yeah, I, that, I forgot that guy even existed because he doesn't come up again. It's also the only thing that saves. I, I, I completely forgot. Yeah, Nick is tackled by a baby T-Rex, prepares for the bites to go into his throat. And I guess the T-Rex was scared away by this adult. No, 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 no. He the, he threw a burger and it, and it sent the T-Rex the running and then he booked it. He ran off. And as he was running away, he thought he was attacked by the T-Rex, but it was, in fact... Oh, the all misinterpreted that entirely, yeah, I understand. Air Out of okay. Tires guy tackles him and takes him down. There's just a man out at night, a vigilante man who's upset about his tires being deflated, <laughs> tackling children. I, I feel like th this book gives kids the worst advice for trap and snare making because... You actually don't want to tie the bait to the stick. There's so many ways that can go wrong. You tie yeah. a very long rope to the stick. 
and then you pull it from a far distance away. Yeah, you hide in bushes nearby and you choose when the trap is sprung. Yeah, don't have a lazy trap. Like <laughs> uh, Kevin's dwarven engineering instincts are going off right now. At the very at the very least lay on top of it so that you can close the lid yourself when the dinosaur goes in. I love whenever a children's horror author has to describe an engineering problem. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's always the, like the most repetitive is like, so we tied the stick to the rope and then we put the box up with the stick under it. Now, the box was at a 45 degree angle. Like, I get it. I get, I get, get what's happening. You can just say like the Looney Tunes, but you're like, you know what? Just, just draw, like do a Kurt Vonnegut and just draw yes. a silly doodle. Draw a fun book. doodle and put a butthole in the pictures for some reason. Like have like a bird <laughs> with a butthole sticking out or something. I don't know. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, so that trap does not work. Yeah. Some poor dog is given a cold night in a box, uh, and then runs for freedom. We never see him again. Um, and and by then I think now the news has covered mm-hmm. there are adult dinosaurs. This yeah. is incredible. The dinosaurs come out and they're they're mad. They're not attacking humans. They're destroying valuable infrastructure. In fact, <laughs> I do believe they know I do believe they know capitalism butterfly and they're like Oh, yeah, Harold, the capitalism butterfly. Well, now we're let loose in your playground, bitch, and we're going to fuck it up. This is what you have wrought, Harold. Yeah, they destroy a tower, ignore people, and then just proceed to head towards where their baby is, which is, I couldn't stop thinking this is like, this is Jurassic Park 2, right? Yeah. That's the major thing of like, oh, the T-Rexes are looking for their baby. Right. Hey, hey, I don't, like, I'm a paleontologist recently. Mm -hmm, Of course. Yes. I don't think that a T-Rex could bite through concrete. Or cause explosions with its mouth. They talk about how much fire there is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like T-Rexes were like fairly stoppable. And this just keeps saying they're unstoppable, unstoppable, unstoppable. The, the least believable moment of the entire book is not the time-traveling dinosaur. It's, it's a description, as Nick watches TV, of a uh, Detroit police officer firing 20 tranquilizer darts at a T-Rex <laughs> and it not going down. I, th- I think it would be really, really funny if like the reason why they couldn't kill the T-Rexes was like, there were a bunch of hippies who were like being like, we can't hurt God's creep, the most beautiful creature, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. If they had just made up a reason why they can't like firebomb the T-Rex into the dirt or something. Like I was going to say that's funny. Cause I was going to be like, my reading of it was, some very rich individuals were like, no, you will not kill it. You must, we must subdue it. And they kept trying to subdue it. And then it was just wreaking havoc upon Detroit the entire time. <laughs> My aging body needs a T-Rex blood transfusion. <laughs> I need, I need dino blood infusion. <laughs> I I think, you know, and I, I don't want to pigeonhole all of Detroit in a certain box, but I think we all know about the economic disaster that brought about uh, Detroit with the collapse of the auto industry and Detroit's seen better days. And I think even in the 2000s, Detroit was on the downward slope. Mm -hmm. I have a feel in my immediate thought when we saw this cover was like, Detroit's going to fuck those dinosaurs up. Like they're going to show up. (laughs) Yeah. Those dinosaurs are going to go to eight mile and they're in for some trouble. They (laughs) do so little (laughs) that. (laughs) Nick Nick has a couple of like television dinner breaks with his mom 
and seemingly they're just letting these things just tear up and they're like well I mean National Guard will show up someday you know I, I say this then I'm like I remember how Bush handled emergencies so I guess you know maybe it isn't so unrealistic <laughs> was, Bush, was Bush reading a children's book to some kids and then a secret service agent had been like um, two more dinosaurs just attacked there's another yeah, dinosaur there is another a dinosaur second now. dinosaur just attacked the world <laughs> Happy 9-11, guys. Wee! Tasteful Wee. 9-11 jokes. So they do, there's two there's at least two straight days of attacks. Uh yep. as as our our genius protagonist <laughs> figures out that they're looking for the the baby T-Rex and he must uh use it, the one game mechanic he has been given, which is throwing burgers. Uh yep. and so they they take all their savings and buy a ton of burgers, and they're like, we're going to do it. He has to like, beg for the cheeseburgers because it's morning. And <laughs> right. <laughs> a burger world doesn't have... We're making muffins and stuff. They're on the breakfast menu, and that's because uh, they have to keep the the stove... The stove they use for burgers, they're using for eggs, and they have to keep it at uh, the egg temperature. They can't share it between wow. burgers and eggs. Wow. The, the flat top can't switch over. Flap top can't switch over, otherwise you'd get an overcooked egg or an undercooked burger. Wow. Oh, but what if you just mixed them all together and you had burger eggs? Oh. <laughs> That's always a great combo. I love that combo I, so much. I mean, I love putting egg in my burger, yeah. Uh, I, this is the part where I was I was most shocked that when they go to Burger World, people are just living their lives. There's yep. someone just clocking in on a shift at Burger World. They know that this is day five of Dinosaurs Destroy Detroit, but... You know, they're essential workers. They gotta they gotta keep going. Yeah, that that part felt the most real to me. It's like, oh, dinosaurs are starting to try it. Yep. I was gonna say, ha- having lived through a number of tragedies in my life, <laughs> uh, I have started to realize that you think that the tragedies will stop the world, but no, we just keep on living through them. So maybe this is highly realistic, actually. Yeah, get me into that time portal so I can kill Harold. <laughs> So they get their burgers. Um, they they uh, find the they find the baby tracks. Find the baby truckosaurus. Um, they give them some burgies and they ride their bike, chucking burgers over their uh, shoulder. I imagine like um, uh, what Paperboy was the yeah 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 yeah. Uh-huh. yeah yeah. They run into Mulrooney, who's still looking for dogs, even though. <laughs> Ugh. When does Mulrooney sleep? How does Mulrooney not process the dinosaurs are real and is just going, there's still too many loose dogs This is out the here. best part because dinosaurs have been exposed to it. So we don't have to hide the fact that dinosaurs are in the world anymore. <laughs> but Mul- Mulrooney? Mulrose? What is his name again? Mulrooney. 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 Gets out of his car for some reason doesn't have his glasses on. He doesn't. Uh, why is he driving? Why is he driving without his glasses, glasses on? <laughs> it's crazy. He's hunting dogs without his glasses. <laughs> it's just it's a mad world that we're living in. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the best part is that uh, Nick is like, all right, here it is, hail Mary throw, and he freaking wings a burger, hits Mulrooney <laughs> in the face with the burger. And yep. then the dinosaur takes a little chomp out of Mulrooney, gives him a little payback for all the dogs he's tortured. And yeah. we are described it. Go ahead, Kevin. How is this described about the bite the bite area? <laughs> well, he won't be sitting down anytime <laughs> soon. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just say it ate his butt. <laughs> it ate on his butt a little bit. Just say that. Like, that's so family. I, that's so PG to me to be like, it bit his butt. 
<laughs> but like, unless you want to be like, yeah, he, and he was bleeding, and his and his uh, digestive system was spilling out through his butt <laughs> like a hernia. Sure, the moral fabric of America had not pulled apart enough for us to say butt in a children's book yet. <laughs> I, sure, I guess we, not. you know, we rake RL over the coals on this podcast, but he would have the courage to say that the baby dinosaur bit Mister Mulroney on the butt, bit cheeks. <laughs> he would say it, and just the the entire comedy quote-unquote of like Mulrooney late like putting a collar on the little baby t-rex thinking it's still a dog yeah like you said paul you don't need to do those beats he needs to be like oh my god i saw one of the dinosaurs right here here's my time to shine i'll be a hero or whatever and Mm -hmm. then yeah Yeah, nick saves him from the dinosaur and he goes i'll never hunt a dog again and runs (laughs) off i can't hunt a a dog without my ass cheeks <laughs> so they the dinosaur three stooges itself into a burger world after yeah. it runs across the street. Pooh bear, pooh bear stuck in his hole. Yep, one hundred percent a pooh bear stuck in a honey hole situation for sure. Um, the the two giant T Rexes find are reunited with their babby, uh, and they're all now all three of them are chasing the kids, and they run back in the time portal. Or they bike back in the time portal. Something happens and some old lady's like, you should wear a helmet. And I'm like, yeah, you should. Why are you not wearing a helmet? <laughs> Wait, I, can- I don't remember the helmet part. <laughs> Wait, what was that? He gets admonished for not wearing his helmet while while riding with the with the T-Rex behind him. Uh, and he does think he does think to himself, I usually wear one. You're going to go like toe to toe with a with a dinosaur and you don't want like one armor point that a, a bike helmet provides. <laughs> Mem- remember, maybe that is a standards thing, because I remember on like uh, when I worked on like Troll Hunters, mm-hmm. there would be times where we'd have the kids like get in a car and drive the car while an evil troll is coming after them saying, I'm going to rip out your spine. Right. And we mm-hmm. get a standards note that says they need to fasten their seatbelts. Yep. Okay. <laughs> all right but the the troll eating them is not the concern got it no repeatable behavior yeah, no repeatable behavior <laughs> god damn it chad you've taught us so much <laughs> thank you chad i know about four quadrant ideas i know about repeatable behavior i was just gonna say you've taught me all, uh, all four quadrants of television knowledge thank you of course yeah um so this is like kind of the weakest part of the yeah i mean the middle was a little saggy but like now they're just kind of trying to figure out how to like end this in a satisfying way Mm -hmm. and um they they trick the dinosaurs or they trick the t-rexes to come back into the time portal uh which is a a hell of a sentence and um Uh, they they sort of like whip some cheeseburgers in the right direction. The dinos go on their way, but then there's a mega raptor that shows up at at the time portal, being like, "Now is my chance." <laughs> it's mega raptor's time to shine. Literally, everything is happening at once in front of these children when they go back in time. A mega raptor yeah. appears before them, tries to kill them, and then is attacked by another incredible dinosaur. Yep, before their eyes. Yeah, it's a T-Rex, right? The Mega Raptor, because yeah. because me- in the classic like Pokemon type advantage chart, uh, <laughs> <course>. Tyrannosaurus <laughs> beats Mega Raptor. <laughs> well, I was, I mean, I was thinking the Jurassic Park of it all of like this has been done in multiple Jurassic movies now. Of mm-hmm. the T-Rex and the Velociraptor have to either face down at the end or they become buddies and team up together. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know why the T-Rex is is saving them a la the end of Jurassic Park one by fighting the Mega Raptor. All right. Right, right, right. And that's kind of it. It's sort of like a, a moment out of nowhere where they're like, thank you, Tyrannosaurus. I guess it's not so bad that you're a terrible, horrible lizard thing from the past. 
Because you saved us from a terrible, horrible lizard thing from the past. There's no goodbye moment, right? Nope. Like, there's not a single, like, goodbye, little baby T-Rex. Yeah. I always miss you. Like, goodbye and thanks for all the burgers or something. There's no forest spirit, we give you back your head moment. <laughs> Wait, what is that? What is that reference? I just don't know that one. Uh, Princess Mononoke. Oh, Princess Mononoke, of course. They stole yeah, from okay. nature. They have to They have to return the thing back to nature. <laughs> yeah, it's a man versus nature story. We needed to. We needed to address that. Yeah, shit. So it's kind of over. And then we have like a weird fake out chapter where he wakes up and it's like the dinosaurs are invading again. And it's like, no, dude, like this is going to make like rerun news for forever. Yeah, that was that was unnecessary that he just saw a rerun and thought it was happening again. Yeah, it was interesting to have that fake out. I was waiting for the classic Goosebumps, you know twist ending and i was like okay we're gonna have something happen mulrooney uh went in search of a new butt and accidentally opened up time again and (laughs) (laughs) mulrooney hunted for the time portal (laughs) mulrooney has his like second butt on deck because he knows that you know it 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 could happen as in the life of a dog catcher you could lose your whole butt well he's got a cybernetic butt now and now he's stronger than ever um (laughs) an unstoppable dog catcher cannot be bitten in butt wow or you do, oh yeah, the dogs can't bite him. Or you do like uh, a flash forward 50 years to like uh, Nick and Summer meeting up as adults, like at the portal again. And like this time we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> they bring guns and they hunt all the dinosaurs. <laughs> but here's the, here's the part I did like about this ending. It was kind of interesting. I, I don't know. It worked for me in a way. Uh, maybe he does this in every book and it's not cool anymore. But I thought it was neat how he goes to school and the whole thing was like, hey, write about your summer vacation. He's like, and I chose not to write about the dinosaurs, even though everybody mm-hmm. saw the dinosaurs on TV. People are yeah! going to believe you. You could talk about. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, Nick, you could talk about how you were in the middle of that and they're going to believe you. Uh, so, well, then he's still, well, he's the cause of it. So he's liable for like millions of dollars in property change the damage. the narrative a little bit. Just be like, I was walking through the woods and found a dinosaur. Like what? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you need to you need to spin the narrative for yourself here, Nick. That's this is the year two thousand. Spin politics are in full effect. <laughs> Wait for the statute of limitations to wear off, then write a tell all, and then you know, cash in on that. I yes, guess. if I did it, uh, as we call it. <laughs> but so he he doesn't tell his story, but someone else tells a very weird sounding story to the class, of which they're made fun of, and Nick talks to them at the end, and they're like. It didn't happen to me, man. It happened to my friend. But look, she wrote it in her diary. Check it out. And he opens it up. And then it leads us into the next book. And we can read the little diary entry. That's fucking cool. Brilliant, brilliant marketing. I uh, I, I did like that a lot where it's like, yeah. and the story continues. Yeah, fun. Setting up like a weird like shared universe. Because like that's mm-hmm. what we kind of wanted out of, out of Goosebumps. Like there are hints that it's a shared universe type right. thing. But right. We've always wanted the characters to like to imply that they've run across each other or that there's something tying these things together. Right. Or, um, or to collaborate or find like, you know, some sort of sense of fraternity in the fact that <laughs> they've seen things that – no one would believe like that's cool i like that the fraternal order of fucked up kids yeah <laughs> i think we just found our own book series we should write <laughs> fraternal, fraternal order. order of fucked up kids but <laughs> i i was a child paranormal investigator <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i was really i, I was really captivated by that now you're going to hear this story of the sinister spiders of Saginaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, it made me wonder if there's anything, like you said, Paul, maybe this is just how he ends every book. But like, 
are all of these connected? Is there any way that book number seven, Creepy Clowns of Kalamazoo, sets up dinosaurs? Right, like, right. The the grandfather is in that book and he gets a fortune told and about a time portal. I I don't know. I was just trying to figure this out. Yeah. Michigan Chiller and American Chiller fans, if you know this information, please, please, please tweet it at us, email it to us, do anything, go to our Patreon and support us on Patreon and talk to us there about it. <laughs> Let us know. This book makes me wonder if somewhere on that old internet there is like our three doppelgangers, but they're all from like Michigan. Oh, and hell like yeah. they're the Michigan chill buds or something like that. Uh huh. Oh my god, the Michi- the Michigals, the, Mich- oh the Michigals. Oh my <laughs> the god, chillers. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> They're the, the chipettes to our yeah. Uh, oh my god, yeah. why did I go exactly there? <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, I think that was a that was a chiller. Yeah, that was a chill time. It was an interesting book. I'm glad I'm glad y'all voted us to read it. If you do want us to read uh, any more of these, uh, we might you might dive back in. But especially if you want to use democracy to get more of these, you can vote on us reading books like this and other great suggestions on our Patreon. That is Patreon.com/slash/GooseBuds. They'll get you access to not just voting on future books but access to our exclusive Discord that has a really, really great group of people. Uh, you also get access to our bonus monthly episodes of Camp Goosebuds, which is all banter, uh, no no killer, all filler. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag get more banter. Yeah. Hashtag get more banter, yeah. Hashtag oops, all banter. Oops, all banter. <laughs> oh, no, there was a disaster at the banter factory. <laughs> It's a fun time. You will enjoy yourself. Uh, we do all kinds of fun stuff there. Sometimes we watch and play and review things that aren't books or uh, goosebumps. Uh, and we have a good time on there. You can get all kinds of insights from us. Yeah, sometimes we just hash it out and figure out how to live. Yeah, man. Kevin gives you stoic ass advice. Not stoicism. Stoic advice. Yeah, I'm the stoic <laughs> one. Stoically <laughs> delivered. Look, I'm not going to tell you to be personally responsible. I'll be personally responsible. <laughs> Kevin, what what as you're as you're tucking me into my cabin tonight, just you know, this podcast, what what what's some kind give us one last final piece of wisdom. Well, I'm gonna brush your forehead gently and I'm gonna say <gasps> bad dreams go away. Aww. And then uh <laughs> I'm gonna say also you should visit spacekings.space and buy my because what good is being nice to people if I can't make a buck or two, eh? So, um, yeah, uh, my tabletop RPG Space Kings is out. It's very fun and good. Uh, you can download it right now at uh, spacekings.space. And also the physical book is coming out very soon. Um, but, yeah, check out spacekings.space if you, if, uh, if, you like, if you like me and you think I'm funny and you want to throw some dollars at me. I'd really appreciate it. Um, I, think, I think you'll have a fun time with my tabletop RPG. It's really easy to learn and play. It's a very cool game. Kevin, uh, we had a session with a bunch of friends out here uh, this weekend. And on the very, very first flip, three Jokers. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, So that space bus they were on immediately crashed. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Was it a how to play poker card or or did they take Desperado? No, we uh, we actually had someone play Desperado. And we even did your rule. It's a big group of of eight. So I followed your advice in the book of like, you take one of the jokers out, but now the jokers are worth two. Yep. So I was like, so this is basically worth six jokers that you all flipped. You should have just started a new game. 
Holy yeah, the start shit. of a new game, and I was like, I should theoretically kill one of you all off. Yeah. But I basically was just like, I just stranded them on an island and made it be like, this is now your hardship that you have to deal with. Chad, um, your mercy is infinite. I what a what a tough choice would have made to be like the new character you just made rip up the sheet. They'll never know their true potential. <laughs> uh, space Kings space. That's awesome. Eight people that we've had up to twelve, but eight people is a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. I I I appreciate in the book. I think you call something like the 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 host like peace of mind, and yeah, it's a lot to juggle. Mm-hmm. But when you have a when you have a bigger group that's like down to play and are very much ad-libbing and adding on to it, it works very, very well. That's a good time. Did you get to meet in person around a table or did you do it digitally? We met in person around a table. So, yes. uh, it was a bunch of animation writers. We all met up and played and had a great time. Oh, um, that's so fun. Uh, so highly recommend people check it out. One thing I do like about Kevin's book is there is a big old uh, guarantee on the cover. It says no nightmares guarantee. If you buy the book, <laughs> can't get nightmares. <laughs> yep. Uh, hang it above your bed so you can look at it and that'll be the, la- that, <laughs> that'll be the last thing you process before you go to sleep. It's a guarantee. Guarantee. No more nightmares. Also, you know, to find someone to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I think this has been a, a goosebuds. Thank you both for being my friend and reading this book with me. And thank you all for listening. I love you. Love you guys. Bye-bye. This show is brought to you by the support of our wonderful patrons who appear in the Book of Names. First name, Stefan Jive Turkey Kuabara. Hollis Hornbeak. Low Belly Hate Me. Cameron Murphy Audio. Michael McDowell. Hey Josh Rob. Mickey C. Nathan Dolezal. Kelly C. Period. Mike Lanteri. Buddy Morrill. Allocade. Mail Dipson. Afshin. Danky McStanky. Dango Twist. Brian Wells. Zentacles. Stealth Bates. Robert Moon. Jason Crooker. Clay Castle. Miguel Pardo. John Keaty. Calf. <laughs> Third Sergio. Good news. Chad talked to Aaron and is restarting <laughs> Paranoia Shop. Thank you for the pledge, but this is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Quinton, I am in your walls. Oh, look out, Quentin. Gregory D. Warren. Alan Saylor. <laughs> Cody Redfield. Bradford Coulter. Aiden Alexander Dice. He rolls those dice. Jar Jar Slinks. Chosen One. Levi Than. Up and Champ. Jonas Eggman. Carl. Anthony Mulberry. The John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. An elusive koala. Yanni Markovina. Joe. Brookax. Jesus Christ. Christian Vunskiver. Alicia Grave. Drew Applegate. Jeremy Lowe. Brian Hobgood. Zach Connor. Patreon underscore donator, comma, yo. Joe, spooky digital ghost, Tierney. Andrew Jadzik thinks MC Hamster is truly too legit to quit. Well, oh, some compliments. Nice. Some nice words. Lord Cornwallis. <laughs> Carson Birkenbean. Murph Epp. EP. I know it's EP. Jonas Blotterman. Tevin Ticklebean will protect the big Jeff baby. <laughs> Sean Minogue. <laughs> Rushy Glenn. Wiggle it! Luke LaFountain. Chip Handsome. Matt McClellan. John Pigeonhat. Barber. Paul Grasso. Joe, regular name, Scott. <laughs> Sarah Camp. Uh, I've been wanting to say this one for a while. Yeah. Alex Moon, the robotic dog. You did it. You made it. He got it's it. It's a fun one. Tanya Turtle. Vincent Modica. Luke Canoodles. Juan Jalapeno. 
Hugh Bolin, Zambambino, Keith Halcrow, Timothy Miso Dulakis, Clay McCarty, Matthew Stevens, Parker Lee, Ham underscore boat. Hey guys, Kevin here. What properties should a magical knife called the Steamlin Cleaver have? I do believe we addressed this. I still have more questions than answers. <laughs> I think it should be uh, piercing damage. <laughs> piercing damage, but with uh, added heat roll damage. Oh yeah, it's burning. It's it's fire piercing yeah. and potential uh-huh. poison as well. Pure emotional damage. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond Hernandez. Flimily. The crow fence, but seasonal. Ooh, nice. Matthew Matthew Sutton. Nathan Remick. Need more kimchi. Lee Wood. Jeffrey Owen Cahi. Kelsey Kinneman. Reed Steubendike. Russell Castberg. Javier Jimenez. Brendan Arafin. Chris Petrakis. Scotty Pippen. Joey Evans. Streak. Meat. Virginia. Carewise Gamgee. Dungeon Kappa. Super Swaggy 64, Rise of the Sunshine Yellow Squire. Ooh, that's a rare card. Cameron Hansen owns it. MC <laughs> Hamster. There he is. <laughs> Never change. Zach Weary. Limp Duck. Stinklitch. Alan G. Jessam. R.L. Slime. Oh. Got him. Got him. Generally depressing. The Deadly Bulb. Tobias Clark. Yeah, yeah. Ben Bohan. Andre Villanueva. Hey, Anthony. I'm glad you're doing better. Keep up the good work. Great job, Anthony. Ryan Stewart. Estamina, Lord of Paul's Pants. Jonas and Avoldson. Calamity Carl. Germ Juice. The Davy Boy. Nick Johnson. Stephen Day. Kieran McNamara. Diet Soda. Jackie Ledoux. Coleman Laguza. Lamb! Loved your movie. Ryan Carroll. <laughs> Jeremy Bowser. Megan McCormick Mason. It was weird that it was 90 minutes of just birthing a lamb. I thought that was a weird <laughs> It was a long process to get that lamb out of that vagina. Yeah. <laughs> but they did it, and it was worth filming. Hooves, hooves first. <laughs> a pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. Ninja Breadman. David Gray. Peanutburg level 69. Bryce Deary. Matthew Bretado. Got little old moi pretty Frenched. Carbson. I am Cornholio. I need TP for my bunghole. Great, great read. Really, really calming. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's really close to the energy of the first original yeah. line. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to I'm, I'm gonna bring it down to Dr. Chocula. Phony. Some of Chad's bird friends. Nicholas Maloney. <laughs> oh my god, subverted <laughs> my expectations. Moon juice. Burger squoze body. Oh no. Squoze. Midwest Indigo 13. Thomas Jansis. Aaron Lord. Eric Horwitz. Tiffany Lee. Dr. Egg Drop Soup Man. Dunnage Warehouse. SSJ Trogdor. Lucretia McEvil. Elmrelm. Mutant Astronaut. Henry Torbert. Adam Knapp. Mike Spaghetti Jones. Jesse Hammock. Logan Derby. Brad Schmelzer. Chick. Milk Punk. Mr. Misfire. Ow, my hand. <laughs> Mandy Nasty. Llama Lad. Skeletorin. Chris. Donzig versus Sean Astin. The battle for Polly Shore's soul begins now. I don't completely understand that name, but I like it. I have more questions than I have answers. Yoplin. <laughs> Philip Reynolds. Detroit Red. N8BitG. Soggy Newspapers. Chris Kulik. Dakota Camp. John W. R.R. Davis-Craft's Reanimator. Scott Wable. Kit Bush. Elden Lord and Queen Concert to Best Girl Ranny, Dr. Mr. Unimportant. 
A beautiful choice. Rocco! 976 Evil. Josh Howell. Gazella. Liam Rogers. Evan Bowen. Kiwi of Lerv. Serial Killer X. Oh my god, that's what it is? It's of Lerv? Oh my god, yeah. I thought it was Kiwi of Lerv forever. I, I like it both ways, honestly. Yeah. You yeah. can take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> Clip saved. Greg Musto. Benjamin Luther. Dennis Wright. Jover the Moon. Cameron Gunzeveld. Hi, first time, long time. Allie Rose. Sprinkle Buns. Bocivi. Matt Septor. Greg Gervasi, a.k.a. Vinizen. Dakota Kipper. Dom's Dubious Ding Dang Dong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> dubious is a fun word for you, Dom. It, it really is. It doesn't even sound like a dick thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anthony Rodriguez. B. Hilda B. Jeff Webb is still Big Baby, but we both sincerely appreciate your well wishes. I'm glad you're getting better, Jeff. Yeah. Good luck being a big baby. <laughs> Damn, Chad. Bury him. <laughs> <laughs> Internet certified Reverend Odin's Eyehole, MD. Congratulations. Toraku, the thing that goes doink <laughs> in the anime. Doink. Jonathan McEnick. Ollie underscore Suts. Kate the Great. Mikeart. Spencer Y. The Secret Provider. James Stavrinos. Gelato Coon. Cassandra Harris. Gulliver. Chris no longer skips the banter. Byers. Yes. Congrats, Chris. You made it. The last time, the the last (laughs) name was my favorite. Soap. Big Nick Lane. Kira and Brian are big fans. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Goblin Grader from Gitzgram. <laughs> D Rose Guy 863 Leet Speak. How did you read that? Right? That three is an E. Incredible. I couldn't read I couldn't read that. He knows the old text. <laughs> <laughs> A remake of Book of Eli, but I just speak Lee. <laughs> Blake Bad Time having Caven. Nice. Quicksand Truther. Oh man, they finally found us. <laughs> You haven't proved it yet, Kevin. <laughs> Dan Antonio. Truther means the thing's a lie, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, I think so. Well, we're, no, uh, no. Quicksand Truther means they believe in quicksand. Quick, quicksand Truther, give us more context. <laughs> please, ex- append your name. <laughs> and please do it in lead speak so that the people above us cannot see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't let Biden see it. Grab comics. And new to the book of names, Stinko the Clown. <laughs> Love it. Lynn Motes. Welcome, the Puerto Rican demon. And hello, the one known as Troman. And welcome to George Props. Master of Props. <laughs> You're all stuck here now. Ha ha. Welcome to name time. <laughs> Thank you very much. We love you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everyone. We love you. Bye. Bye. Flypaper. The work of the people. Owned by the people. Supported by the people. Visit flypaper.fm.